following is a production of Locked Up Sports. Everybody, this is Don LaGreca from the Michael K Show. When it comes to talking sports, Bob Walters and Brett Grasso are the authority. Can't wait. When it comes to talking sports, they're the authority. It's Bob Walters and Brett Grasso. It's Locked Up Sports, and it starts now. Walters, Greg Grasso, from the Brian Gunzel Studios, this is Locked Up Sports. We got a big one for you here today. The Mets continue to find ways to lose. The Yankees look bad at home as they continue to struggle without Judge. The King, Henrik Lundqvist, is elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and we speak to fan favorite returning guest, Bob Usler from WFAN. Brett, what is up? Uh, I, you didn't bring a doctor's note from yesterday, last week's banging. I asked you to. I put you on the show hey, anyway. I don't, no, 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 no. You don't get it. I don't need doctor's notes anymore because uh, last week I uh, started my new job as the boss, as the new supervisor over at the uh, Riverhead Correctional Facility. I didn't facility. even know you had another job, Brett. Did I, you I know that? I can't believe you, you're doing Isn't this and another job. Didn't you know that? No, that is good. Congratulations. So, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Special day here at Locked Up Sports. Uh, June 24th yep. would have been our... Namesake here, the studio's namesake, Brian, Brian Gunzel's Gunzel. birthday. So we want to wish a happy birthday to Brian Gunzel. Wherever yep. you may be, of course, we watching know, the show. Yep, we hope we're making you proud down here. Uh, you know, we you know you would have loved, yeah. loved this we, show. We, yeah, and, and special guest for your birthday, Bobby Husler. Bobby Husler. He, he probably is, wouldn't even believe it. He hates the Yankees as much as you did. Yeah. <laughs> right, right? Very true. So we, we get Bobby Husler coming on. Yankees, Mets, we do plenty of Mets with Bobby Uso. Yeah. We just did the interview, so we do plenty of Mets with them. Let's start with the Yankees. The Yankees look bad again last night. They are, they're listless. They're, let's, let's be real. Without Judge, the Yankees are an unwashable baseball team. Okay, they don't score runs. They're boring. The Rangers came in last night and, and just had their way with them. The Rangers are a better team, even without the Grom. Um, yeah, the fine. Rangers are a better team than the Yankees. The Yankees have find themselves now basically... Ten games better than the Mets, but in the same position as the Mets. Yeah, they're they're in the same range. Ten games back or so from the Rays. Um, you know, uh, they're going to compete for the wild card, but they just they need to hang in, and they're just not hanging in while Judge left. We talked about this when Judge was gone. Is they need to play like that? You know, five hundred ball. They need to play the five hundred ball. And since losing Judge on June fourth, they are last in runs per in runs per game. Three point one runs per game. Batting average last. 196 under the Mendoza line batting average and their 603 OPS last in the majors. Their offense is anemic. They have nothing going on. One guy ran everything. He's not there. We don't even know when he's coming back. Who is a worse who's the who's a worst right now today? Who's a worse DH to have on your team? Is it Daniel Vogelback or is it Giancarlo Stanton? It it's Daniel Vogelback. <laughs> he has to think about no it. purpose playing baseball like in really in any way this year for any com- uh, competitive team he should be playing he, he's a great fit for all types of teams that have that are below 500 he now he may be a perfect fit for the Mets because of how bad they are but 
Stanton, in my opinion, you can at least play some uh, positions. You know, if you bring him up for you know in a pinch hitting spot, he can hit a home run for you. Uh, yeah, Vogelback doesn't hit a home run. Oh, first of all, first of all, stop because Vogelback's hit two home runs in the last week. Oh my god, and he hit four Vogel. home runs this year, and I hate Vogelback. But I mean, come on, he does. No, Stanton is like three not, for his last hundred. Okay, in. If you have a big spot, I don't care what team you're on, you have two choices. Yes, it's either yes. Vogelbach or Stanton. I'd rather Stanton. In any spot, it's going to be Stanton. You, you just, let me tell you, the fans want it to be Stanton, the coach wants it to be Stanton. But, let I me mean, tell you, we're, we're looking at. Uh, two days ago, the Yankees had IKF pitching. It got so bad. Okay, yeah. last night, they, they, it, was, you know, it wasn't much better. It was a listless but game. But this was supposed to be a great summer. It was supposed, this was supposed to be. supposed to be the summer of, you know, the Mets and the Yankees and the summer of Bob. It went the summer down. of Brett. Yeah, it went down. No? It went down faster than the submarine to the Titanic, Brett. It went down faster than the submarine to the Titanic. Oh my gosh. Least, I mean I mean at least it's an impl- it's a catastrophic implosion on both in both the Bronx and in Flushing, the the Mets are listen, well, the Mets are just a, an awful baseball team right now, which makes no sense to me because they're the same team that won 101 games last year. The bullpen is just but were they overachievers last year? Was Marte playing out of his shoes? I didn't was think McNeil so. as a batting champion out of his shoes? No, was, McNeil McNeil's a no, solid. Hitter. I know that, but he's not playing that this year. But if you look at the year before, he didn't. So now it's going to be two out of three years where he wasn't that great. One year in the middle where he was great. That's what we have right now. Okay, but the Mets are long term. I think yeah, I know. Well, long term, I think the Mets are in better shape. Okay, they have their big guys are really not as long. Con- the Yankees are, are stuck in these nightmare contracts. Stanton is now a nightmare contract they, for them. Is. Stanton is Donaldson. Judge you know. Donaldson is a nightmare. Donaldson can't even shouldn't even be in the major leagues. Forget about it. They had him hitting fifth last week. Okay, so what are the Yankees doing at this point? They got Judge, who's on a, the the first year of a ten year deal. Yeah, but he's the guy who, you which know, is going to look like Stanton. Yeah, but for the next five, you, you can't be worried about seven years. Yeah, now. I can't say but that. But the next though. five years, I like having. Every year. I, no, I like having Judge on my team for five years. I agree, but he I, gets hurt every year. You're all right, this yeah. guy plays less than a hundred games every I year. Keep, I keep saying to the DH, and nobody wants nobody wants the to one hear that. year he because he's a Gold Glove out there though too. The one year he didn't get hurt is the is his contract year. Which yeah, is it was I can understand. To I can understand not wanting to be the DH in your contract year. Like Alonzo doesn't want to be the DH in his contract year because the DH doesn't get paid what the first baseman gets paid. So if you do it as a first baseman, you're getting uh, money. You know, it's about money too. These guys need to think about longevity once they get that contract. So now, as of as of uh... a lot of people can shag fly balls. He's a Gold Glover out there. But there's guys, the difference between a guy who's a good outfielder and a great outfielder, it's shaving this much off your game. When it takes away from you with the plate, it may be a little different. So I'll give you that. Like, let yeah, me tell he you. saves runs out there. I mean, you can look at now, here's I, the deal. Here's an hour ago, I got an update because I just read this. We were doing the interview. An hour ago comes out. The Yankees have revealed now that Judge has a torn ligament in his toe. No timetable for a turn. So that, that, that's that's a, not good. Minimum six no, that's weeks, bad. right? That's no, minimum. That could be, that could be surgery. If it doesn't heal, this is how it goes. Ready? Six weeks. It's well a lot of three, four weeks already. Right? This is the whole thing. Is nothing is going to heal until six weeks. So they're going to go six weeks. I'm talking ice, rest, boots, hyperbaric chambers. The whole. I'm serious. Plasma injections. The whole deal. They're doing all this crazy stuff. At the end of it, that's all because let's avoid surgery. And then at the end of it, they're going to go. He's going to start running again. They're going to ramp him up, and it's going to be an issue of can he make it through the season without it coming back full force. And it, guess what? End of the season surgery. Or, or, uh, no, or he comes back. the next no, couple he, seasons. No, he comes back. It doesn't get better in the next few weeks. He'll have surgery. In the, it's ha- 
let me tell you, this is not good. This is really, really bad. You got 10 years of this, no, people. No, 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 no. No, this is something that next year is fixed. Starting opening day next season, not an issue. I'm talking, like, at all. Because I heard... For this season, that's not what big I heard. trouble this season. I heard, um... Big trouble. I guess it was uh, Bart Scott. I think it was who said that he hurt his toe like this, tore a ligament, and he was never the same. It ended up being a bad knee into a bad hip. I'm not going to go football to baseball on this one. I'm sorry. It 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 is a toe thing. You're talking about Bart Scott. What is that now? Fifteen years ago that Bart Scott would have had that surgery. Probably the plasma thing didn't even exist back then. I. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be where he comes back, plays through pain the rest of the year. You're getting a reduced Aaron Judge, and it will be surgery at the end of the season. Now, again, if it, they need to hang around. This is going to come down to if the Yankees are hanging around, he comes back, they win some ball club, some ball games, they're in the hunt. They're for, right there in the last wild cards. No, but but if, they're, if they're there, if they stay right there, he's going to come back, he's going to compete through, but... Let me tell you, if they fade away and go into nowhere, and he's on the edge of should I or shouldn't I? No, then you bench him. Then no, you, he, he might be. He might be the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, long contract. You wearing down a guy's. Yeah, no. Well, they asked. I saw how Steinbrenner came out. He did like a stated. You know, he did his one year, once a year type of media rounds, and he said, um, I think it was on the the K show. They asked him, Do you th- ever think? Because look at all these teams. Look at uh, the Rays. Look at the the Texas Rangers teams like that. They tank, and now now they now they're good, right? Because th- theoretically, yeah. you're bad yeah. for five years. You get the, yeah. the high draft picks, and then yeah. and then you become good. Have you ever thought of tanking? Now we, I, I, I they can't tank in New York, right? The Yankees can't tank. But he said no. I would never even think of it. You know, he he gave the the politically correct answer. But yeah. now you signed Judge. The Yankees put all their eggs in Judge, right? Uh, yeah. All of them. Yeah. And they got Stanton, too, which they put all their eggs in. Stanton is three for his last, like, 70-something. Three oh. for his last 50-something, okay? Judge is out, hurt. He's been hurt every year except for his contract year. The Rays, what the Rays do is they don't give someone like Judge a whole boatload of money. They give medium, medium amounts of money. So if someone goes down, it doesn't destroy the team. Judge going down here has destroyed the Yankees. Yeah, but if you look at it, the, the difference is, look at the Yankees being destroyed. They still slip into that last spot to get into the playoff. That's the Yankees destroyed with all their guys injured. They're fading, We got the Mets with everybody healthy. (laughs) Everybody's healthy. Everybody's fine. Same team as last year. Same team as last year. The last year, no, no, no. Add on to that a guy who had his best season as a Cy Young Award winner. (laughs) Add on to that a guy, you know what? It's just absolutely out of control how the Yankees, and it shows you organizationally, they do have those players like deeper that are hanging around. I don't know what it is. Is it the coaching? Is it the players? Is it just the mystique of I come here and I'm going to play up to that level as a mediocre player? Now I'm going to play as a you know above average player. The Mets ch- shipped Escobar over because I guess, I mean I guess it's a it's a logical trade because he wasn't playing. Beatty's yeah. taking his his job and everything. No, but we- is this the beginning of the sell off? It, of course it is. This is the beginning of the sell-off that is not even for, like, we got two minor league um, prospects. But high, high-end prospects. High-end. High end. Yeah. High-end, not not super high-end, mid, mid-level prospects. So the top, 19th and top 20th. 25, I think. No, top 19 20. and 20 in the Angels organization. Nineteen oh, wait, no, and 20. is that what it is? 19th and 20th prospect in the Angels organization. The one guy. Are you sure about that? 100%. Okay. The one guy is pitching really well. He's 
on the injured list, though. Sore elbow. That's the best guy we got. Just so you know. Just so you know. But these guys are not guys that are planned on coming up to pitch for the Mets. These are guys that are chips for when the Mets make that next move next year at the trade deadline. Yeah, but the, these are the guys that you know that we need to make from where they are now, which are good to the next level of. Oh, okay. Those are the guys that one maybe one does make it for us as a mid reliever or something like that. But you need that in your minor league um, system. To keep that going. If you wanted to be that next team to have it, we had nothing they wanted last year. The reason we didn't make deals, nobody wants infielders. Nobody wants hitters. They want one thing and one thing only, and that is minor league arms. Prospect arms. Nothing else. But now, here's the thing with the Mets. So I, like I agree. I, I, do, I, like, be, I like it. I think they just it's did. probably the, side, the, the beginning of the sell-off. It is. Because the team's going it's nowhere. Who? Last it's night, who? Last night was a, just how a, deep are we willing to yeah, go? Nemo dropping balls. Lindor, you know, it, they looked, it was comical last night. But... I still hear people in the media, on yeah. shows, and in the papers, and on the internet talking about, at the same time as people are saying sell off, the Verlander's got to go, you're saying Verlander should go. They're still talking about, can they trade for Otani? Like, I, what, 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 yeah, what, what is it? That's Why a, is that's it all a very over the weird, map? I, I don't like that at Have all. Have you heard that, though? Because that is like a, place. that is a Hail Mary pass to try and get a guy in the uniform so you stay because you're already here. And to try and get a deal done of a sign-and-trade almost type of Those deal. Those Japanese guys but let go me tell you, west. you want to bring him in here with the culture the way it is right now, with the way that we're losing in a bad season, and give him that's the taste you want in this guy's mouth of a, you're going to come on in, you're going to play your last game and see you later on a team stacked with guys that should have won? Uh, no. Especially when... He's a guy who may know exactly where he wants to go. He may already have a Giants uh, uniform. Let's be real; it's either the Giants, probably the Giants, Dodgers, Seattle, or the Dodgers. Those are his options. And, and, he's already said it. Or San Diego. And listen, is it, he really? It, is it really that? Is he really? I get it. He's good. No, he's, it's beyond all that. But is it's it beyond anything else in that's ever touched the baseball? I don't think so. It's I guess beyond it, anything. It's, it's it's not even relative to anybody. That's how crazy it is. You're telling me a guy who can on any given day. Pitch a shutout and be the nobody else does a single thing. He just showed up. Everybody else is in the field. It's two home runs. One home run. One RBI. He shuts him down. That's it. And he's doing it. And it's not like he did it once or he's doing it what every single time the guy goes out, he's pretty much better than everybody else okay. at what he's doing. So, and I'm they also sorry, have it's trout. too much. They also have trout, right? Why are they 41 and 36 and they're a half game out of the, the last wild card spot? I mean, c- come on. Is it really that big? They've had them the last year, But too, if you look at what they were projected to do, this is better than they were projected to do. They were not projected to be good. That's what you're missing. Is th- this is You're looking at two guys and saying this should be an unbelievable ball club. You know what happened? The I think the, Mets, got the Mets have proven that more than anything. That that's bull. Like it doesn't mean anything to have these great guys to make a good ball club. Yeah, but they, Trout is like the Mickey Mantle of this generation, and Otani is Babe, Babe Ruth. Ruth. Okay, yeah, the Babe Ruth, the Mickey Mantle, is different than having. Okay, we might have Cy Young at the end of his career. Okay, you got these two guys in their prime, and they've been there in their prime, and I the know. Angels do nothing. So the Yankees are in the third wild card right now. They're and forty-one they and support, thirty-five. And they were like, let's get Syndergaard in here. They're three and seven in their last ten. They've lost two in a row. One of them they had IKF pitching. That's how bad it got. Last night was again. The, the, the Yankees are unwatchable. 
without judge. They're just a boring baseball team to watch. And now with the torn ligament, and let's be real, the Yankees knew this for, since since two days after the injury, yeah, the right? Same way that yeah, the, the Alonzo thing. The Mets know that he's really hurt more than he is. They don't. You know how that goes. So okay, so now let's let's get to talking the more Mets. Let's get into our guest here. Um, we got you asked for him. We got him back. He's one of our most popular guests. He's one of the nicest men in the entire world. Friend of ours. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Awesome guy. Bob Usler. Here's our interview with him. You're gonna love it. Bob Usler, everybody. All right. Now it's time for our guest welcoming back WFAN, longtime WFAN, Mike and the Mad Dog. You know him from. He was the update guy, Mister Met. Uh, he does Fairfield basketball. What, thirty five years now, something like that, right, Bob? Yeah, and- completed my thirty fifth season. Yeah. Back by popular demand, you asked, we got him back. Our favorite guest. Bob Usler. Bob, welcome back. I am happy to be back. You flatter me by saying uh, your favorite guest, but uh, I, I enjoy your company. I enjoyed uh, Bob's company when we met for the first time at right. City Field, and I'm uh, glad to keep it going. Hey, we and we've had some big guests, Bob. We've had uh, Westoff, we've had Steve Phillips, and you, you're still our favorite. No question. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. Well, we come from the same place. Uh, exactly. Listen. We root for this team. Exactly, exactly. Now, all right, so now let's, let's get this. Let's is get not, this is not, yeah, this is not the team. This is not the conversations we thought we'd be having about this team when we had you on. But what a, now? What what did, did now? Since yeah, I have it right here. Since June second, they're four and fourteen. They're, they're, they're hitting two twenty nine. The ERA is five. Uh, they're, they're pitching to a five ERA. What what's got to change with this team? Is it is it big? Because last night looked like a team who was basically uh, defeated. You know, you had Nimmo dropping balls. Who's our best defender? Lindor. You get Lindor making errors. It's just it's all over the place. What do you, is this salvageable? I know you're a positive guy. Well, you know, well I am. Po- I'm listen. I- the one thing I've always taken pride in is try to take the opposite view of the Mets doomer and gloomer. It's just the way I am because probably because of my age, guys. I, uh, you know, I came up, I, my first game was 62 in the polo grounds. So I watched them, you know, almost literally in baseball years overnight become world champions. Uh, I mean, seven years, you know, they're, they're having a parade down Broadway for uh, the Miracle Mets. 73, they should have won that World Series. And a lot of people look past look past 73, which I consider one of the great years in Mets history because they came from last place on August 30th and with one, came within one bad decision of winning the World Series that year. Um, 86, you know, that's unfortunately, the majority of fans are too old to remember how improbable uh, a World Series victory that was in 86, or even the win over the Astros in the LCS. So, look, I'm going on and on about my frame of reference, which is I always think that something is going to break in a positive sense. That being said, there's a bad feel about this year's team. And uh, I'd like to remain optimistic but I think it's like it's whistling past the graveyard at this point. Yeah. We know it can turn. Uh, I think you guys hit upon the key thing what happened last night that indicates maybe where this team is headed. Brandon Nimmo hadn't made an error in two years. The quote-unquote catch probability on Nimmo's and Lindor's blown pop-up. 95%. So there's a 5% chance in both of those situations that those balls 
will drop and both drop. And that's a lack of focus. It's a dynamic that's a negative dynamic. When you see those things happen, a Nimmo, as you said, here's a guy who has become a borderline gold glove center fielder, blowing a play like that. And then Lindor just kind of bailing out and then only bailing out on a catch that could have, you know, at least kept that game in hand and and it doesn't happen. It's bad mojo, guys. And uh, so uh, I'm having a hard time making a good case for this team. That, I'm hoping it turns, but it's tough. Is that uh, is that more on the players, or is that go on to the coaches? Who's going to take the brunt of this bad play? The pitching well, ultimately, yeah, well, ultimately, ultimately, they're all accountable. I'm talking about managers, coaches, and front office. Yeah. Um, the same way that uh, Buck deservedly took his bows last year when – uh, they won 101 games, and I like Luis Rojas. Uh, just he was somebody you couldn't dislike. I, he was someone who was forced into a situation. He was probably in over his head. Okay, so uh, you correct that, and you hire Buck Showalter, and he was exactly what that team needed last year. But for whatever reason, it's going the other way. It's his watch. It's Billy Epler's watch. Uh, these guys are going to pay the price if this thing doesn't turn. It's the same and team. I think it's, it's the same team as last year. Like, like, well, I don't understand. It's so weird that, that it's the same team, and it's just complete opposite. I mean, they're making Little League. I said to you last night in an email or this morning, I said, this team's making Little League mistakes. Even when they win, when they beat the Yankees, what is it? how is it possible that there's a play at the plate when the ball hits off the wall and there's a guy on second? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I was watching that Phillies uh, game last night, um, Bob, and, and I turned to somebody and I said, the dynamic of a losing team is as fascinating as the dynamic of a winning team. And you look at the Reds right now. This is a team that doesn't think it can lose a game. Well, the same thing is happening you know, to the Mets in a reverse sense. That there's a negative dynamic going on right now. So, as you said, and accurately, they're, they're – they look like a little league team sometimes, the way they're running the bases, uh, not making plays, bad decisions like Pete Alonso running out of the baseline the other day in a game against the Astros. They loaded That's the bases stupid. twice in the first inning with nobody out and couldn't score a run. It's almost impossible, right? <laughs> almost oh, impossible. <laughs> We've watched it time and time again yet, this season. Yet with the dynamics of a losing team, as I repeat myself, you almost were thinking, oh, they can't not score here in the first inning. But yeah. they're thinking it too. And that's the problem. And it's a hard thing to solve. And, uh, you know, it, it, it can turn. Uh, look, look, look at what the Reds have done since Ellie De La Cruz arrived. They're 14 and 2. Now, I'm not saying there's an Ellie De La Cruz in the wings for the Mets, but something, whatever, a spark of any kind. Um, 2015, you know, when Cespita shows up, and look what happens. So, again, I'm not suggesting that that move is imminent or even possible, but my point is something needs to happen that, for whatever reason, sparks this team in a positive way. And if you're a fan of uh, the team and hoping that something can still happen this year, then it's it's going to take something like that that we don't know. We can't say. It's, here's what it'll be. No, it's, it's just it no. just has to happen. Now they had uh, uh, 
Buck held a closed door meeting about what about a week and a half ago. I thought yep. that he shouldn't have held that. I thought it should have been the, a players only type of meeting. Go in there with just the players because you don't speak your mind. No matter who you are, whether you're on a baseball team or you're working in an office, you don't speak your mind completely when you're when your supervisor or your boss is there. Have the players only, only meeting. Curse each other out. Get it all out. You know, have Alonzo or or uh, Scherzer or Verlander call it. Throw some chairs around. Get it all out there. And then go out and try and, and play. I don't think it should have been a, a coach's meeting. I mean, that that's just me. Not that anything would have changed or been different. But you're, you're completely right. When, when a team's not winning, when a baseball team especially is not winning, it looks like they're not trying because they're not hitting. They're not doing anything right. But, you know, they, they, it's just not going their way. What do you think about the meeting and wh- wh- whether Buck should have helped? Yeah. I, you know, it reaches a point, Bob, where you almost have to hold that meeting if you're the manager because – it's you need to just kind of just draw the line and say, all right, look, this, this is going the other way, guys. And I'm sure, I'm sure the buck, his message was uh, measured, and it wasn't emotional. But the makeup of this team is real interesting in terms of leadership and uh, interaction because you have guys who have been around the block a lot, highly paid guys. You know the names. I mean, you've got Scherz, a strong personality. Verlander, a uh, multiple Cy Young Award winner with a strong personality. You have Francisco Lindor. You have Brandon Nimmo. Uh, you had Escobar in that lock. On and on and on. And then you have the new guys. You have the babies, the Alvarez's. You really wonder where the leadership is coming from because these guys can almost, in one sense, self-police but on the other hand, you're really not sure of you know what who the young guys are following. It's it's, it's a mu- it, it's a mess in, in a way when you look at it in terms of uh, who really is in charge here. Buck's in charge, but this is a group. Is this a group that needs a manager that gets in your face? Probably not. Uh, but obviously, there's some sort of a void here, a leadership void. I think they care. I really do think they care. But it's obviously just not translating right now, and uh, it's, it's hard to come up with an easy answer. What, what's going to happen now, guys, is you're going to start getting questions about should the Mets seriously consider being sellers at the deadline? And if so, who gets sold? Well, I saw um, there was, there was the, uh, the former Jim Bowden, the Bowden uh, in the athletic suggested the Mets should be open to the idea of trading a Scherzer or a Verlander. Brett, Brett thinks that. that. Now, I, I think, listen, I, I think that there's a lot of teams that would be willing to pick up those guys. It may get us out of, if they continue with the pace that they are, um, uh, these contracts may not be looking good for the Mets next year. And if the goal at this point is to rebuild the farm system with some new pitching and still make a push even for this year and for next year, um, it may if you get a good deal, I wouldn't be against it. Yeah, but now what? Okay, okay, okay. I'm with you, Brett. I I I agree with you, Brett. I would uh, again, depending upon how this thing plays out, and as we're speaking here on June 24th before they play the Phillies, you know, if I wake up tomorrow morning and Scherzer has uh, thrown eight innings of uh, you know one run, four hit baseball, and they win the game, I'm thinking, okay, here's the turning point. That's me. <laughs> yeah. But if it keeps going the way it's going, 
uh, I would seriously consider uh, moving guys like Verlander or Scherzer or even Starling Martek. Yeah, but now it's, it's very interesting. What now? I have never seen it before. I don't know if it's ever been done. The way that the people are talking, he's going to do what what Cohen is going to do is he'll be willing to take your 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 busted big contract. So he'll take a, a Donaldson or a Stanton, and he'll take the contract and he'll cut Stanton. But he'll want. He also wants your best your best prospects. That's how he seems to be. Have you heard that? What do you think about that? Yeah, you broke up a little bit there, Bob. Okay, so I. I'm, so I think I got just a bit, um, or maybe I can just cut to the quick as far as how I think Cohen looks at this. In fact, we know how he looks at it because he's on the record. He did that uh, extensive interview recently with uh, Joel Sherman where he said uh, he's not going to blow up and he's not going to react to uh, the fans who want him to blow up right now. He is in, They didn't trade prospects in 2022 at the deadline. And if there's one thing they're not going to do this year is trade prospects. They're not going to do it. In fact, the deal they made on Friday night with Escobar going to the Angels shows you where they're headed here. Um, that's the kind of deal, by the way, which doesn't get done if you don't have Steve Cohen's money. Because they're eating the contract, because, right? Yeah. Cohen is picking up not only the remainder of the Escobar contract, uh, which is four or five million, whatever it is. He may also pick up the buyout, which is five hundred thousand uh, dollars, which made the Mets it put the Mets in a position to get. Look, these guys are borderline prospects, but they fill a need. The Mets are sorely lacking in pitching prospects in the, in the system. Now, will these guys develop into bona fide prospects? Maybe, maybe not. But what did you give up? You gave up a guy, Eduardo Escobar, who wasn't playing anymore for the most part. You know, Brett Beatty, you want to develop him? Okay. <laughs> it's his job. Yep. So Escobar is basically odd man out. He goes to a team that needs him because uh, Urshel is hurt and Rendon's hurt, so they need him. You, you, you help him, good guy, you help him, and he's gone. I mean, you're three months. So, and you get two pitching prospects. That's going to be the philosophy going forward. They need to rebuild the system, especially from a pitching standpoint. Well, that's what I was saying. Is He's going to be, from what I'm understanding, from what I heard the last couple of days, is Cohen's going to be willing to take, you know, your your guy who's, who, who's a, a bad contract, you know, just sitting on your books there, like somebody even like a Stanton or something like that. Not not to that extreme, but we'll take Stanton. Yeah. But we also want your best prospects for for a decent person. Yeah, you know. So and then what he'll do is he'll cut Stanton and just pay the money. He'll eat the money. You know. Yeah, I got you, Bob. And again, it, it broke up a little. It's still, but anyway, and that's what Steve Cohen's money is. I think that's the most valuable usage of this money is going to allow him to take on contracts like that or pay off contracts like Eduardo Escobar's as long as you can do what is his stated goal. His stated goal is to have a system similar to the Dodgers, similar to the Rays, similar to the Atlanta Braves, a system that is, you know, producing prospects. Um, interestingly, a, a team that, until this year, had had great sustained success uh, over the last five or so years. 
Milwaukee Brewers, you hear a lot of talk now about David Stearns waiting in the wings as maybe the Coming next the guy who is uh, who is steering the ship for the Mets. Um, he's going to it's going to take he's he's sitting out this season. Obviously, the Brewers refuse to uh, release him, uh, but he will be. He's a free agent come this winter. Uh, you know, Cohen uh, smartly, you know, said when he's approached about Stearns and, and discussing it, he says, I don't... Well, he has to. He can't say anything about that. No. No, he can't, and he nope. won't, and he's smart not to. But it makes a lot of sense, and uh, I'm not suggesting that this is imminent, but if this season continues the way it's going, or even if it, it doesn't, I can see them bringing on a guy like Stearns who... Uh, as a, he's young, but he has a well-deserved reputation of being able to uh, to build an organization. Now, I, the big problem, listen, the big problem, and, it, and it's clear as day, it, it, the bullpen is a disaster. And bullpens are generally, I think bullpens generally are unreliable for the most part. But when you have a, a team with a bad bullpen, it's just back-breaking losses that affects the, the fan base, the, 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 the team, the the players, the organization, like when you come back from a five run deficit and then they give up a home run like they did on on a Sunday last Sunday, or yep. or when you uh, blow games late or in extra innings and it's just terrible. When you're scoring nine ten runs a game and you're losing, it's awful. Uh, it's it's really it, they've been all over the place in terms of uh, it's the old cliche, you know, when they're hitting and not pitching, when they're pitching and not hitting. Uh, as far as the bullpen is concerned, well, if you believe in offense, we know the one that uh, we were hit with the, that that awful night in the WBC. When, uh, you, uh, you're not a fan of the WBC, right? You weren't before that. Please tell me you weren't. I, if I showed you the texts I sent, <laughs> and I try to be civil when I send out texts to friends, I mean, I was mf in that thing up oh. and down. Uh, I, I, I'm astonished, by the way, as I kind of go off a little bit of a tangent, how the players, especially the international players, and then when you get American players who get you know caught up in it, they love it. They love it. That being said, I hate it, and I'll always hate it for one reason: what it did so far to our season with Edmund Diaz going down. Now that's. But did, again, that, but did that really now, is that in hindsight, right? Do you look back now and be like, that was the least of our worries? Robertson's been okay. He has been, but it's a it's a domino effect. If if you have Edwin Diaz, we have two factors here. Number one, if Edwin Diaz is the closer, then everybody gets backed up a little bit. In other words, Robertson is your great eighth inning guy Definitely. or out of you know, depending upon the matchups. Um, and and I understand what you're saying. Well, you know, Robertson's been good, and, and out of being oh, well, he's been ragged lately. But Edwin Diaz, you know, he's he's the anchor, and uh, every. But the other factor is damn starting pitchers can't pitch late. That's the that's the For biggest goodness problem. Sake. So no matter what, they I mean, would have been just taxed and taxed and taxed. And no matter who it is, it just doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's really one. One is as bad as the other. You need starting pitching, or starter starters who can go deeper into games, and uh, they need a little bit more. Look at Senga yeah. last night, and he has, you know, he has a great pitching performance. I mean, he comes out after and apologizing, trying to take the blame for the pitching performance last night. Not, you know, after two errors in the field. Um, it, 
it's just tough to watch. Even when we get a good pitching performance, this team just blows it. He's got control issues. This stuff did not happen last year. Last year, all the breaks went our way. We would get those solid pitching performances. When there was runners on base, we'd get them in from third base, and the bullpen would always step up. And this year, it just seems like every single piece is falling apart. There is not even one thing. It's not Edwin Diaz. It's not the offense. It's not the pitching. It's everything. That's a bad team. Bad teams, when you pitch, you don't hit. When you hit, you don't pitch. You it, pick it, each other up, and this team just drops each other on the on the ground every single day. Now, real quick, what what it, the real the real victim here in the whole Diaz thing is, what does SNY do with all the cinematography people they hired, and how do they... <laughs> And, and what do they do with the money that they're losing from that? <laughs> that, that guy thinks he's Steven Spielberg, doesn't he? That, it's that unbelievable. Was, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it really <laughs> the split screens and the yes. focus and the blur, and then all of a sudden Buck's oh, face pops up in yeah. the background. Black and white into uh, color. It's incredible. I will leave the fifth on that stuff, but I will say this, and I know we can all agree on this. Most Mets fans, all Mets fans can agree on this. Good, bad, indifferent. Gary, Keith, and Ron oh. are the best. I can watch. Out, out, no matter what, it's it really and, 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 and no matter what's going on, uh, they're going to give. They're going to entertain you, and they're also going to tell you the truth, which is great. You get they get the best of both worlds. You're going to get a good call of the game, and you're going to laugh a few times along the way. Yeah, but, listen, he got he he got a he's a, he's one of the best. I met him a couple weeks ago. I met Gary and Ron. Ron, I tried to give my business card to for the for the show. Gary took it, and I was like, "Listen to the show, you know, listen to it, really listen to it." He's like, "Okay, well, I will." Ronnie, I gave it to him. He goes, "No, no, no, thanks." I'm like, "Okay." And as he was walking past me, he goes, "Listen," he goes, "I'm a germaphobe." He goes, "It's not that I don't want to listen to your show. I'm, not, I'm a germaphobe." <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good line. If it's a line, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hernandez would just run away from me, probably. You know, that's what he does. But uh, yeah, yeah. Keith is interesting. I actually, in 1999, I was at the Grand Slam single game. And uh, long story short, I had some friends who worked in the Chase Stadium uh, ticket office. So I literally got seats on the field. They were actually, they were folding chairs. They were on the warning, the foul line warning track. And uh, so my two sons and a friend were on the field. And we... um, during about the third inning, we heard this commotion behind us. We look over our shoulder, and Keith Hernandez and his girlfriend, and John McEnroe and his wife, Patty, is it Smythe, were coming down toward us, and people pointing and talking. They end up sitting right next to us in that, <laughs> that special section of the field. I had uh, Patty Smythe near me. Uh, next to me, literally next to me. And if wow. you remember, it was kind of a drizzly day. It was pouring when he hit the home run. Yeah, and it kind of was that kind of a weather day. So I had a scorecard, a little smudged. And Patty Smythe actually wanted me to reconstruct for her the innings that she had missed. John McEnroe wanted nothing to do with anybody. <laughs> really? Keith Hernandez's girlfriend just sat there and looked like she was enjoying the game. And then Keith, who was behind me, I engaged him a little bit. You know, I didn't want to be a nudge. And he just, he wouldn't shut up. I mean, in a good way. In a good way. It was a constant discourse. Keith Hernandez kept talking. And ta- and, so you, and it wasn't just I. It was other fans who were engaging him for his opinion as this game 
was uh, moving along. But he didn't and, know who you uh, were? Yeah, he didn't I, recognize you at all from, from Mike and the Mad Dog or anything? No, no, no. I, uh, and I didn't, you know, I didn't say, hey, you know, so-and-so. Um, yeah, yeah. I, but we had, and again, it, he was the same way during that game on the field as he is in the booth now. He, it's constant discourse. And I found it fascinating. John McEnroe, not as much. And Patty Smythe is an all-time favorite for being a real baseball player. Yeah, McEnroe. I, I awesome. think McEnroe is more of a Knicks fan. That's such Knicks a great fan. story. I think he's more of a Knicks fan than he is a, a baseball. He was probably just there. To, you know, he, he likes to be in the limelight. He's more of a spotlight yeah. fan. He's a Queens guy, and I'm sure he likes the Mets. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right. It was uh, probably there because of the event. And uh turned out to be a great event. Yeah. It didn't oh, so yeah. well that series. If they had won that damn game six, they're going they're yeah. going all the way. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? And that, I said, because the Braves, I mean, with the Braves, it's just so frustrating because it's every year. It's been it's forever. Me and, him, me and Brett were talking. Shay, who is Chipper Jones's son, he's got to be twenty right. something years old now, right? Yeah. So that that that's yeah, yeah. so long. The the Grand Slam single, we we look back as fond and, and a great thing. We lost that series. Yeah. It's yeah. we never yeah. get was, over the break. Some of our greatest moments. I mean, the the Andy Chavez catch and things like that. I look back on. Remember that it was the greatest thing. And I look, I go, I was I was in the front row behind the you know Cardinals dugout for that. And I look back and I go, yeah, but we ended up losing that game. Unbelievable. And how many times, I'll tell you how many times, 99 out of 100 times when somebody makes a catch like that, you come back and you, and you win the game. Yes, yeah, it was it. He got, he got up in that inning, of course, as we know. I, uh, I actually, I, I actually get headaches when I start thinking about this stuff, about that, the way that series ended, the 06. Well, here's what, it, here's what it is. Here's what it is. It's after Tyree makes the catch, two plays later, Eli throws a pick. <laughs> right, exactly. That's right. what it is. Exactly. It is. It is. Exactly. It is. Yeah. The yeah, great, moment, perfect the great moment, but we can't enjoy right. it. Right. Well, I, again, you, uh, you you hold out hope that it, it can and will turn, and it will. It will. It will. It, it will. It will. One day. Now I have faith it will. I didn't. I would not. I did not have faith that it would be happening soon. In the last few years, now I have faith that it's happening. Now, do you think? Do you think that like because we only know like I was five in '86, so we don't really know Mets championship. You know this is it. Is it different? Do we lose a little bit of the lore if they do when they are when they do win? Like as a Ranger fan, I don't feel like I feel I don't feel like the Rangers lost any of the lore when that curse was broken in '94 because they now they've been bad. You know they haven't won since, but because somebody mm-hmm. sold their soul, but. Do you feel like the lore, some of the, the luster would be off of the Mets fans? Because we are the losers, you know, the lovable losers? No, no, no. And uh, I, it's, a, it's a very good question, Bob, because I have a lot of living where I live in, uh, you know, I live in Stanford, Connecticut now, but I used to live farther up near New Haven. A lot of Red Sox fans are friends of mine. And uh, they did actually go through that kind of a now what do we do scenario you know now we've broken the curse now what is our identity and they want a lot more i mean they are actually again i don't want to get into a yankees thing but if you look at the 21st century yeah the san francisco giants and the boston red sox are the teams of the century not you know not the uh, the yankees and that was historically 
that was the golden age of Boston sports. You had the Patriots, you had the Celtics winning. I mean, that, that was the Bruins won a couple cups. Yeah, and with the Red Sox, you okay? Now the curse is lifted. But what happened was now they became what you want the Mets to become—a great franchise. Now they're going through that fallow period again. Uh, you know, I think the Mookie Betts trade is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. But that being said, the organization is where you want the Mets to be. It's like I don't think either of us will be talking about lost lore if we're talking about no, four no. World Series championships. <laughs> no, no. Right. Down the line. It's like you were saying with their identity. It's like now their identity has changed. Not the lovable losers or the, oh, it's been so long. Is now they're champions. And now that they have right. a championship right. organization, the Mets need that because you need other players to come in and go, oh, no, no, they're not the what we have it all, but it's not happening. They're the champions. And I even relate, I'm a Jets fan to that, and we got Aaron Rodgers coming in to do the same thing. Nothing matters until they win it. But the moment they win that championship, people are going to go, oh, they're a championship organization. Exactly. And then then everything changes. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, This this city is embracing this Mets team now in terms of attendance. You know, I was there last Sunday, uh, that Father's Day, the Bacala game. The grandson, right? But, right, yeah, Bob, it was my uh, grandson's first game, and uh, luckily the cotton candy was good because uh, he had no idea what he was looking at otherwise. And that's all he'll remember. Hey. But, well, you know, I, I look around, there was 43,000 people in the park, and everybody was having a, you know, despite the bad, even though one of these lousy games, even though they came back and Anyway, it, it was, was a great minutes. atmosphere. Yep. The, fans, the fans are energized. Now, the, if this season keeps going the way it's going, well, that energy is going to obviously uh, we're going to lose it. Yet, yet, we, you guys are Mets fans. You, Mets fans are ready to, to just basically explode with ecstasy if they can get this thing going in the right direction, which they did last year. And then we end up with the old, and I hate it, same old Mets. You know, same old Jets. But why were there why were there empty seats all over the upper deck then in in the playoffs last I, year? I think because you know the whole uh, the, the wild card thing, the watered down playoff scenario. I, I the price I, the price need, was out of the control. The price was outrageous too. Uh, I knew I knew three hundred dollars for those upper deck seats, which is out of control. Unbelievable. I mean, even the beer. I, I go to my normal twenty yep. uh, two ounce uh, Blue Moon, and it's nineteen dollars. Yeah. Give me a break, yeah. would you please? But uh, you know, the price has something to do with it. But let's put it this way. If they advance to a division series and in a championship series, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know. Believe me, you, you find no empty seats anywhere. I, but I kind of got off on a, uh, a little bit of a, a tangent there. My point is that we hopefully can look back when we get together on Locked Up Sports again in a few years. Yes. We can look back at 2023 as an aberration, you know, because they have the resources. I think they have some smart people now that are making decisions. And Steve Cohen, I think, has his, has his money in the right place, which is development. Uh, you know, across, I know somebody who works in, he's an administrative guy at City Field, and he says everything, I mean, and he liked the Wilpons. The Wilpons hired this guy, I know. And so he had, he had loyalty to the Wilpons. There's nothing bad to say about that. But he said, under Wilpon, I mean, under Cohen, he now understands that what he needs, he's going to get. 
as long as it's fair and as long as he can prove that we need A, B, C, and D to get this done. And I think that is, again, as a fan, it gives me hope that the resources are there and the commitment is there. Now, for whatever reason, this team and its mix, it's just not working and it's embarrassing. Yet you have to hope that because of the commitment and the resources, things will get back on the right track much faster than they have in the past. What do you think about DeGrom? I feel bad for him. Um, uh, you know, I, I obviously uh, they, they made the right decision in retrospect. And if they had brought him back, it would have been at their price. And obviously there also would have probably been something similar to um, what they did with Correa to make him go through a lot of uh, exam- physical examination. But I, to answer your question succinctly, I feel badly for him. Um, I mean, he was doing things that just were out of this world. In fact, Bob, this guy was asking his body to do things clearly in retrospect that it was incapable of doing. Nobody could throw that many 100-mile-per-hour fastballs and, and wicked sliders and not pay the price for it eventually. And uh, I, I, he was a great Met, and he was in. I was at that Braves game last year when he had uh, when he came back his first home game coming back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year yep. when he had like the nineteen swings and misses on on the sliders and struck out. That was the, that was the black and white into the color out of the bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> the things we remember, right? What do you think the rest of his career is going to look like? They're saying he might not recover. Yeah, I, again, I defer to uh, the quote-unquote medical experts who say coming back from the second Tommy John is extremely difficult. Obviously, coming back from the first can be done. And sometimes guys actually do better. Um, but at his age, and considering the number of bullets he's already fired, and considering this Tommy John again, difficult. I, I wish nothing. I don't, I don't get any DeGrom hate. And no, I know there's either. some people. No. I don't get it. I never have gotten it. Um, he was a he was a class professional. You know, I, I love the way he carried himself. And he's one of those guys. You know, still waters run deep. Here's a guy who burned competitively. I um, mean, you knew this guy wanted to beat you any which way, and most of the time did. Uh, unfortunately, his body betrayed him. And, so I feel bad. Well, he can't. I mean, last night, just just last night, I added another person. I have a list. It's called the former Met, now good list. Uh, we added uh, Tejon Walker to that list last night. DeGrom will never be on that list, you know, because his well, best days were with the Mets. Yeah. It looks, he, it looks like he's not. He's, I mean, listen, I don't feel too bad for him because he's sitting on a boatload of money. And he gets every penny, mm-hmm. and that's why if you, you know if you have kids and stuff, you you, you steer them towards baseball because they get every penny as soon as they put their their, their name yep. on that contract. If you're lucky enough to, to have somebody you uh, you know that you're related to or something that, that's good enough, steer them towards baseball. I know football's the glory, but football's <laughs> only you're only you're only guaranteed your next paycheck two weeks from now in football. But yeah, you know, we had Tejon Walker last night, right? Yep. He, he put that last night. Marcus Stroman, we've Stroman, seen. Came, what did you Bassett, think about the Stroman thing? Bassett, a lot of well, guys. Because that annoyed me. That annoyed me. Like, who, yeah, get, get the hell you, out of here. What did, you, did you hear the stat last night? You have four former Met pitchers who have seven wins right now. There's not a pitcher on the current staff that has seven wins. Uh, the, the, the three you already mentioned, Tywan Walker, Marcus Stroman, 
Chris Bassett. You'll never get the fourth because he wasn't a Met very long. Michael Walker. Oh, the I, I, I did hear that. Okay. I did hear that. Yeah, right. yeah. How long was yeah, he a Met? Seven wins. Well, absolutely. Isringhausen. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget about Isringhausen. You know, but, uh, Generation K. Yeah, Generation K. <laughs> Isringhausen. Well, I had the poster. Wilson, Isringhauser, and Pulsifer. Yep. And Isringhauser went on to championship teams with the Cardinals, which is another the, – the Mets and the Cardinals are the two disappointing teams because the uh, Cardinals are perennial. You know, you just look up and they're there in the playoffs in the championship series. They have no, you know, no more Molina, and uh, what's-his-face is, has clearly gotten old. The pitcher. Why can't I think of his name? Oh, Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright. Yo, yeah, he's clearly – But you want to forget his name. Tied the, Met, tied the Mets up in knots, though. 17 he, he years later. Everybody it does. They all up. show up for the Mets. They all show up. They're they're the rookies up. show up for the Mets. The ex-Mets <laughs> show up for the Mets. If it's a rookie in his first day, don't bet on the Mets. It's going to be the best performance of this guy's life. You know, you. I'm sure that your most hated NL rival is the Braves, and yes. that would be for good reason. But I'll give you the two. Uh, and I use the word hate, and I don't like the word. None of us like the word. So it's just, you know, it's sports stuff. Yeah. So it's, oh, like it's frustrating. You, you respect it. You're right. jealous. Yeah, well, the two, my two are the Cubs. I hate the Cubs because they were the first. And you, you never forget the first. I never forget, you know, the 69. Yeah. Uh, Leo, you know, there was that famous moment in 1969, or infamous, if you look at it from the Cubs standpoint. Uh, the Mets played a series. It was an imperfect game that Tom Seaver pitched in 1969 July when he and Jimmy Qualls broke up this perfect Two outs, game right. bid. Right. Well, there was one out. Okay. Uh, which I'll tell you quickly, Bob, what was remarkable about that is he still had to get two outs in that game. And you would have thought his concentrate and Seaver bore down. Anyway, the imperfect game series. So Seaver wins um, uh, that game. They won the next game, must have been Kuzman. Uh, they won the first two. Then there was an afternoon game to conclude the series. And again, the Cubs have a big lead at this point on the match. But, you know, Seaver throws that game, and they win the second game. And then Gary Gentry gets lit up in the third game, and the Cubs win that game. And I asked Leo DeRocher after the game, he said, uh, were those the real Cubs we saw out there this afternoon? And the DeRocher's reply was, no, those were the real Mets. Screw you, Leo, and screw the Cubs. <laughs> and I, I look up Bill Hands and what he did to Tommy, to Tommy Agee and what Jerry Kuzman did to Ron Santos in September of that year. I hate the Cubs and I hate the Cardinals. <laughs> uh, again, you guys, uh, again, you, you mentioned, Bob, you were five and 86. I can assure you that that 1985 season, remember, the Mets, the Mets, you know, stunk in the early 80s. They were bad in 83. Then in 84, they win 90 games. They start to come around now. And now you're getting, now you've got, you know, Strawberry came up in 83, you know, and, and Keith was acquired in 83, and Gary Carter comes along in 85, and Gooden in 84. Now all of a sudden things are starting to percolate. They win 90 games in 84. And obviously, these days it would have gotten you a wild card. Those days got you, you know, trip home. Eighty-five. That Mets Cardinals rivalry was as intense as any single season rivalry I've ever experienced. And obviously, the Cardinals would end up, you know, winning. Um, 
the division and going on. Who was that man? Uh, was it Whitey people. Herzog? Was the manager? Oh, it was. It was. It was, it was the White Rat. It was yeah. Whitey Herzog. Absolutely, and uh, he, he should have been. The, he should have been a Met for life, by the way, Whitey Herzog. But don't get me going on that whole thing with M. Donald Grant and whatever. But it was great stuff. And those those years against the Cubs, against the Cardinals, were intense. I intently dislike the Braves, but they are the Bra- Atlanta. I don't take Atlanta seriously as the baseball town. You know, the Cubs are the Cubs, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. These are baseball towns. Yeah. Atlanta is it? Unfortunately, they kick our butts every time. every every year. I, like I said, Shea is twenty years old now, graduating college. I remember when he was being born, and they were like, "Oh, he's good." Because and it's just one generation after the no. next. It just never ends. They can't they're beat right, the Braves. Yeah. Even now, they're just incredible. It's so frustrating. I mean, one freaking one win last year in that series in September. One freaking win against the Braves. Unreal. We win the division. Makes Unreal. all the difference yeah, in the does. world. It does. It's everything. But then that's another thing that and bothers me about about Buck because now he gets we and we talked about it here on the show. They get swept last two weeks ago, whenever it was, right? And they asked Buck about it. Now we're pissed. You're pissed. We're all pissed as fans. I want to see Buck tear this team up in the press con- in, in yep. the post game. Okay, he comes on and he says, "Proud of these guys. Proud of what? Oh, oh it's too I, much." If again, I have these texts on my phone. I'm sure you guys have the same deal with friends who are Mets fans. You need to text back and forth. And I have a text, and there's an all cats proud, proud. We proud. And then you have a lot of the day after the Astros game. The one where he ran out of the baseline. Yeah. And, you know, they loaded was, the bases was twice in the first inning and didn't score. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a debacle that game was. And then Alonzo after the game said, you know, we played well. We played good. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, what? Because you came back and you put up a lot of runs and more. But he could drop it's an F bomb after he hits a walk off right in front of everybody. Then you got someone like Senga yeah. having a great performance, and he falls on his own sword last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. I like him. You know, it's too bad. It's on. Look, he's going to be around for a while. Hopefully, we get to see this guy yeah. um, be part of a good, uh, you know, a, a sustained winning team. Uh, although I will say this, Brett, if you look at Senga's face. When that ball dropped behind Lindor, uh, and, yes, and he, he was. wasn't showing up, Lindor. No, but boy, he was, he was like, oh. "How can you not react like that? That was a bad one. I'm telling you, that was a bad one." There's two He's different guys who could have caught that ball on a routine fly ball, and that thing, nobody talked, nobody said a word, and that thing just dropped. He's that's, got, he's that's got, got unbelievable. Okay, Bob. Lindor did it. I will give him credit for that. He, he said did. because he said he he tells his left fielder exactly. What he says if you talk if you if you call me I'm out of there. But if I don't hear it's his it's ball. all mine. Yep. And he said and, and, he and so it. I will say this. You know Lindor because I have friends who you know his, their, his nickname from them is three forty one. You know, as in three hundred forty-one million dollars. You know, I don't. Care. I don't know how you guys feel about this. I don't care what they're getting paid. Yeah, no, it doesn't they're matter. Getting paid that because somebody's willing to pay that. Yep. I care about performance, and he's underperforming this year. Yet, I do think he has. I hate to use the word mature because who really knows? But he definitely handles the situations better now. Here, you know, it took him a while, I think, to 
to get over the culture shock of moving from Cleveland to New York and understanding the dynamics here. Oh, yeah. But here, this year, uh, look, I'd rather doesn't have to talk about uh, owning a play like that, but I think he's handling it much better. He's the nicest guy. From what I understand from what people I know that have dealt with him is he's the nicest guy in in, in the just, world. He's one of the nicest guys in the world. He just wants to succeed. He's second only to you, Bob. But what it is with Senga is he – he has control issues. He sometimes he'll walk the ballpark. If he yeah. can't get that that yeah. that splitter over or whatever it is you call it, he'll he'll walk the ballpark. The wrong umpire. Yeah, and that's you know uh, I I mentioned Tom Seaver before. Uh, he had a um, acute saying about somebody asked him what's the most important pitch in baseball, and his answer was strike one. <laughs> and uh, Jeremy Hefner has been preaching this. He says we need guys to throw. Strike ones, we because they're constantly falling behind in the count. But obviously, the book is out on Senga, and if the ghost fork is not working, guys are going to be sitting on the other yeah. stuff. And he has good other stuff, but obviously, it, he, it plays off of the ghost fork. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this: he boy, did he! I thought he was a goner early in that game. Yep, and uh, he, he found himself and settled in. And then he was betrayed by um, yeah, the, the yeah, guys behind him. Yeah, and, and listen, for Hefner, Hefner, listen, regurgitating a 30- or 40-year-old quote is not going to save your job either, just so you know. <laughs> you know, let's, come on. <laughs> strike one. We all need strike. We get it. You need strike one. That's true, yeah. I, uh, I except, say uh, that. When, I'll say that for the league yeah. minimum. Yeah. And then, you know, they uh, he goes out and he had Tyler Gill in that Houston game who couldn't throw strike one to save his life and, of course, after goes out, talks to him, and he remains all over the ballpark. It's kind of season. It's the Mets. It's the Mets. What do we expect? Come on, we know who's coming. <laughs> That's what I'm here to combat, yeah. guys. <laughs> hey, listen, Bob, I, when I was online before I was looking, I saw that Fairfield gave you a bobblehead, right? About 10 years ago? That is, Where can that we get our correct. hands on one of those bobbleheads? we got to look on eBay. I, I'd be happy to uh, send you one. Do you have it? Do you have any of them? All right. Because we're going to, we oh, want one in the I, studio. I, I do. I'd be happy to send you one. Oh, so uh, we'll, we'll come in. Uh, absolutely. You, you give me the address and uh, it's on. Absolutely. It's on. Absolutely. Well, listen. Hey, listen. If the Mets turn this thing around this year, we need you back for the playoffs. And I know you're an optimism. I, boy, I would. I would <laughs> I, again, as I said earlier, guys. I'll be sitting down, and what is it right now? It's a couple hours yeah, from first two, pitch. Is it 4 o'clock? Yep, yeah, 4 o'clock. Yeah, 4 or 5. And uh, if Scherzer mows them down and they win this game, I'll be rooting for a, uh, a series win. I'll be there on Monday night in City Field watching them beat the Brewers, and uh, hopefully we can turn this thing around. One game at a time. If we could only all be so optimistic, it would be fantastic. Yeah. Bob uh, Uslip, yeah, Bob, well, thank you again. Thank you, Thank Bob. you again. Everybody loves you. We love you. Thanks for coming, and we're going to get that bobblehead from him, Brett. Yeah, we are. Let's go Mets. And uh, I will see, we'll see you at City Field, Bob. Thanks for coming on. Same seats, Bob. You know where to find me. You're not in that section. Same. One, uh, 113, row 12, seat 1 and 2. Please let me know when you're in the ballpark. I'm a awesome. civil servant, Bob. I'm a civil servant. I, I, I don't get 113, all right? <laughs> we'll see you there. <laughs> all right, Bob. Great. So. Really, it's great being with you guys. Really enjoyed it. Thanks thank you, again, thank you. Bob. How about that? That's it. You know? Bob Usler returns. That's it, man. He's as mad as we are. He's, he's as, as he mad is. as we are, and he should be. But he's, you know, he's got that. 
positive thing going. Where yeah, he knows it's going to happen. I don't know how he handled it. It's going to happen. And I'm pretty positive, too. I'm a pretty positive person because I have things go wrong left and right all over the place. You know, if, if my car if my car is gonna break, it's gonna break exactly when I don't need it to break. If if yeah, you know things like that. I I try to no, stay I'm positive. Not, yeah, no, I can't well, be positive. We have no other option. It's just, we have nothing but optimism. I can't right? be positive. He's positive, and, and he's not about this year. He's not really positive about this year. He's positive about the future. And we, and we got a bob. We're getting a bobblehead out of the deal. The bobblehead is that's awesome. That was cl- that was a clutch bring that's up awesome. right there, right? I We're gonna have to move Arson Judge. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He's going until he gets off the IL. Useless, <laughs> useless so, in your spot until the IL. So the, this week, uh, listen, the Rangers have hired their coach. They got Peter Laviolette. I spoke about that on the wrap-up show, and last week when Brett banged in sick, I'm not going to bore you with that because Brett doesn't know. Brett couldn't tell you who could have picked, picked Peter Laviolette out of a lineup. Could That's you? So not true. Could you? That's yeah, it's not true. He was the Islanders coach at one point, right? He was. He was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know him because when he was much younger. It's funny when I saw him this week taking the job. I was like, he got old, and I was like, we all got old. Like, oh my god, that's 25 years ago. Or what? Something. Here's right. Here's one of them. Here's like, one I, of them he was one. the Islander coach 20 years ago. I right? went to the Mets game two oh, two weeks ago with Brett, right? And one of the most it hit me like a ton of bricks. The, the statement he made. I said to him, we were talking about Verlander, and I, he doesn't even know what I'm going to say here. And I'm like, Verlander is old now. And he's, I'm like, but he's like our age. I go, he's our age, but he looks old. He looks older than us. And yeah. Brett goes, he looks, he looks me dead in the eye and he goes, we don't look as young as you think we look. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the most, and I was like, you know what, you're right. Yeah. You Looking at the pictures of, of me from like 10, yeah. forget it, we're old men you now. You don't see yourself age when you look at it, just like all of a sudden, everybody else does when they don't see you for 10 years. It's like, yeah, like that. I mean, I still have my hair. I still have my baby blues. That's it. Other than that, I'm a wrinkly mess and I'm a disaster. Yeah. Well. But anyway, so... Back to the Rangers. I won't go to the Laviolette stuff. I think it's a good hire. Henrik Lundqvist elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Well-deserved. There were people coming out saying he didn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Listen, Henrik Lundqvist is an all-time goalie. My question to you guys, the fans and everything, I want to put up a poll. Who's the best goalie in Rangers history? Is it Richter or is it Eddie Jockerman? Some people, old people will say, I, just, I think he's third, a distant third. Or is it Lundqvist? It kills me to say this because I'm, I'm a Richter guy through and through. He's my favorite athlete of all time. Lundqvist was a better goalie. Okay? Well, Lundqvist was a better goalie. Just better skilled. But almost better. He has better stats. He has more yeah. wins. Richter got the cup, though. Richter got the cup here. In my, and he yeah, was a crucial part you of know that me, I'm a, I'm a championship guy. A, a crucial I, part I, of that. I, I believe that. And you got to give it over to Richter just for what he did for the city and what he changed. Like, does someone like Lundqvist even get to be Lundqvist if Richter doesn't put up the, you know, get him that cup and Messier and all those guys, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. It's the same thing like Messier coming back like We to talked coach. about this with Usler. is like once you become that championship team, now you're a championship team. And, like, you guys changed when you won that championship. Yeah, it was a rental people, for championship. Right, and then people at that point then became you guys are a championship club. For the first time in since yeah. 1940, but he was one of the homegrowns too, Richter. You know, like, right? Because like, basically, what the Rangers did is they they borrowed the the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, they had McTavish, they had nope. uh, Kevin Lowe, they had uh, Messier. Messier, they had Larmer, they, they everybody that played basically had got multiple. Gretzky. Couldn't get Gretzky. <laughs> no, we had Gretzky later. Later, later. You know, later. We have. See, Gretzky. You don't think I know things, Gretzky? <laughs> you don't think I know a little bit about hockey? <laughs> Who won the Stanley Cup? 
When ever this year? This year? Oh, oh well, it wasn't Florida after no, you went in Florida? Don't to, stall. He's stalling because yeah, he can't I remember what. Really he knows did. it was Vegas, and he'll get it right. Yeah, it is. But he nice. stalled a little bit. Yeah. But I think true. the best. Who's the best goalie? The best goalie is probably. I think it's it, the best goalie is Lundqvist. The most talented goalie is Lundqvist in Rangers history. Richter is is the best as far. He's the, he's always going to be number one. Lundqvist never got the cup. It's a shame he never got the cup. He got a Vezina. He's got gold medals in the Olympics. He's got multiple world championships. So does Richter. Richter's also American born. He's an American. So he when he wins the world championship, when he gets the gold medal, he does it for our country. I think that's different. Richter's my guy, but congratulations to Henrik Lundqvist. Well deserved in first ballot. He goes in with other goalies. Um, Tom Barrasso, which, I, listen, I remember Tom Barrasso. He was the Penguins goalie when we were growing up. I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but I guess he is. I, I don't know him too well as far as the numbers go and everything. I don't know if the Hockey Hall of Fame is one of those tough to get into. Like the NFL, the NFL puts everybody in. Oh, no, that's... The, the NFL has yeah. to have, like, three people in every year yeah. because they have that Hall of Fame game. Baseball... They don't. They don't. Have, they have years of baseball where they don't have a Cooperstown. They put in guys like they put in Rondé Barber, I think, like this year because they were like, ah, I guess we got to no, no, get Rondé Barber is one of the all-time. No, I know the defensive backs. No, I know, but they were like, no, I understand, but it was like they'll squeeze in Tiki. Yeah, Tiki doesn't belong. in No, there. I know, but they'll squeeze. They'll be like, ah, Rondé, man, you know what? Uh, bring Tiki in. Eli belongs in there. Of course, Eli. Bullock. Well, no, it's not. Of course, because half the people. I, out I'm, there a, I'm a championship guy. I'm a championship. Because half guy. the people. Out there uh, there's just people who go win championships, and those guys get in outside of. I did this for 20 years. If you did it for 20 years and you didn't do a championship, you shouldn't be allowed in. Oh, so you, you Marino. I'm the opposite. Marino. I'm the opposite. You, you kick you, Marino out. <laughs> you did. What do you look? Look at Eli. You don't even have to be that good, and he made it. Eli was not. Eli was no. clutch. Fourth quarter, it's drives. Different, I, there's different criteria in my mind. People are stats. You have to hit a certain benchmark to be to make it. And to me, there's other factors. If you go one multiple championships and your stats on other times, whether it be touchdowns to interceptions aren't there, you're still a Hall of Famer. So big week also for the NBA. The NBA had, listen, we had a big trade. We had the NBA draft. And there was a controversy at the NBA draft as well, which I'm going to go over here in a second. But, Brett, run them through with the trade real quick. Uh, with the trade, talking about uh, Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Chris Paul going to Golden State to go team up with Steph Curry um, and Clay Thompson. and what he, they, It's like they an said, old-timers day. Well, yeah, we don't know <laughs> if it's going to be Draymond Green. He's still got to figure out what he's doing as a free agent. But it's a very odd, odd mix because they sent Jordan Poole over to... Uh, Memphis. Where's he going? Over to Memphis? Yep, to play with John Moran. Who, you no, know. is that true? Yeah. Right? Isn't that what it is? No, 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 no. Jordan Poole's going to Washington. Oh, you're right, you're right. He's right, going right. to Washington. You're right. Um, with a couple draft picks. But uh, let me tell you, you're talking about having two old point guards now. I mean, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, but... Yeah, but he's, he's going to eventually not be Steph Curry, right? He started yeah, to get hurt. He got hurt this last so you year. you bring in another guy who's the same age or older. I know, And Chris Paul, I think, is not... Chris Paul's been on the decline, right? Chris Paul's right. not Chris Paul Yeah, but how anymore. are you going to... I don't like the whole situation, but that's just them them moving around, whatever it was. And then you had the NBA draft with, uh, you know, what could be the next great thing. Is that yeah, what you're the saying? The next great thing before this was Zion Williamson. And by the way, the next... Well, let's yeah, not go, don't get Zion Williamson. That's a, that's a disaster waiting to happen, right? You, he doesn't him. play. He weighs a million pounds. He's he fat. He just eats. He's just, a, he's just fat. He's he fat. Listen, he doesn't work out. More credit to him. If you can get fat and still bang porn stars like he does, 
More credit to that's, you. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm all for that. It's money, yeah. But I don't want no. you on my basketball team, no, then. No, what well, you need, no, the only, yeah, no, there's no way. There's no way, you need, the only way that you would get Zion under control, it would take every dollar away from him and get Krzyzewski back and stick him back at Duke. One way, you know, that's the last decent year of effort you're getting out of Zion Williamson was at Duke in his freshman year, and that's it. Let yeah, me tell you. Yeah, yeah, and you know, right, you know what they're right. trying to get him down to? They're like, we just got to get him down to. You know what the weight, his goal weight is that they're trying to get him down to? 250. 270. <laughs> he just doesn't That make means it he's at 320 right now. He's that, getting all this I money. I swear to you, that means he's over 300. Yeah, he's at these disaster. And he's hurt. Your yeah, body not, can't carry matter. that weight up in the court. You can't run. You can't <clears> breathe. You can't breathe. But anyway, so so there was a controversy, which I didn't even I didn't even hear about. I found out about it late last night. I found it very interesting. So this NBA insider who on his Twitter account states that he works for FanDuel. He's a representative for FanDuel. He's also an NBA insider, whatever. Okay, so he came out yesterday and he said that, um, okay, he said, um, reported that G League star Scoot Henderson was gaining serious momentum to go number two in the draft over... Brandon Miller, the kid from the kid from Alabama, yes. with all the issues and whatnot, this and that. So what happened was was Which can be believable because of what's going on with Brandon exactly. Miller. People now, prior to this claim, FanDuel Sportsbook listed Miller at minus six fifty to go second. So he's going second, minus six fifty. Henderson, Scoot Henderson was plus four hundred. Okay, so they're like he's not going to. An hour after the he made makes this claim, he puts it on Twitter. He's got hundreds of thousands of followers. He What's puts the on line Twitter. go? Line shifts. Minus 700 to Miller. Oh, no, no, no. Minus 700 was Miller. He soared up to plus 400. Okay? Good then, money. right before the, the pick was made, when it looked like oh, when they, everybody on the, on the telecast was like, listen, it's going to be Miller, it's going to be Miller, it went back down to... Minus two seventy. Wow! So if you made that bet there, and wow. people are, now listen, people are saying that Fanduel might have put him out there to say that. Here's what I am saying: He's they absolutely did not. No do that. way. The risk reward they have is no not benefit. Worth it. They have no benefit. You're talking about a company that's making billions and billions of dollars. Okay, they don't. They are not going to put all that on the line because they'll lose it. The states will take it, take their license. And there'll be somebody else coming in, no. another company to do it. They are not. They would rather lose a couple million bucks, right? Yeah. And how many people are really betting on the NBA, the order of the NBA draft? Second, it's not true because if with this guy who is the a reporter, how much are they going to pay him to put his career on his line? If this comes out, he's finished. He's never getting hired again. Nah. His career's ruined. His reputation's ruined. His life is ruined. He's, he's flipping burgers at McDonald's. No, nah, he'll be on Instagram doing sports bets, making a million bucks a year. But that's different. That's just society today. I, I I don't think it happened. It's, it was all over the internet last night saying some fishy, but but also it's the world we live in because you don't have to. I could throw a rock and hit somebody who thinks that the NBA, the NFL, and the NHL are all rigged, like wrestling. Did you see the Ewing thing the other day? They I, had, I, no, did you, you know what I'm talking about. I saw so, something about. It. I don't okay, know what I'm so about. they they pull Ewing out with I don't know who did it with him. So they bring him out and they go, we're going to recreate the frozen envelope. The way that you got picked, okay, by the NBA draft, they go and he goes. Listen, he goes. All right, this is great. And so they get the whole thing out and they freeze the Knicks card and they okay. put it in the freezer and they put it in the tumbler with everything. And they have Patrick Ewing come out and they go pick it. And he goes in there and he pulls the Knicks card. 
with the frozen envelope, <laughs> the same way that he got drafted. And he opens it up and he goes with the first selection. And then they take Patrick Ewing. And he was like, yeah. Uh, it is. And just a, it's rigged. Jordan. Totally rigged. It's not rigged. Because if it was rigged, the Knicks would be good every year. It's, if it was rigged, the Mets and Yankees would be good every year. No. If it was rigged, the Jets and Giants would be good. The Rangers. No, there's only so much you can do. No, but, yeah, but they don't do it at all. The Knicks were in 25 years. With, Knicks haven't won since you Ewing got, left. you got to watch that documentary on the... on. Um What's his name? The, the referee yeah, Donahue, that went Donahue, Donahue. Donahue. Oh, my God. I, see, I know it the goes, whole Donahue story. Goes, no, you, it's yeah. bad. No, no. It's beyond Donahue. It's the other guys that were involved that got passes that are still in the league. Now, here's the thing. Now, the other one, because they, they didn't, they couldn't have it be rampant. It could, they couldn't. No, it can't be rampant. They it couldn't. Destroys it, so they covered it, it up. But but I, I hear you're, you're right. And I'm not saying right. it is today. I'm, not saying, I'm saying there is a point where it was rigged. Now, here's the deal, though. Like with the NFL, now everybody is all in the, the NFL. They think there's a script and the whole no, thing. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's great. That's now, great. here's why the NFL is not rigged, right? Now, and let's say you wanted to fix an NFL game, right? Who do you have to get to? You have to get to either the quarterback, the running back. Yeah. One of those two, right? Probably because they're gonna have to fumble, or he's gonna have to throw picks, yeah. or you know, you know, he controls the game just like in basketball. You have to get to a point guard. You'd have to. They're making the quarterbacks making what? What is Daniel Jones making? An average quarterback, forty million dollars this year. You'd have to pay him that's where you, theoretically a hundred million. Where it is though, that's not who they go after. It is the referees. It's the guy who's who control the game, and that's where it's done. <sighs> yeah, that's where he's been number ever. Those guys and they're are not lawyers the and doctors. No, they're not all. A lot yes, of them, they, they are. They, they are. No, they are. Yeah, but you understand, they're not anything. That's no Donahue was a. I want to be a referee. I'm going to be a referee. An NBA referee is an NBA yeah, referee. But he was a gambler, right? Who got in trouble when no, he got in? No, he got, it the, wasn't like that. He got into it. You got to go watch this I'm stuff. Watch I'm telling you, it's goes beyond what you think it is and it's like not even a question it's how rigged it was and how influential it doesn't mean that those things would have changed but it was rigged in different ways was it the nba having control of the refs or was it the refs being able to do whatever they wanted now listen it's two different things but let me tell you those guys were not making big money they could have been influenced yeah they weren't big names they weren't famous they weren't being followed there weren't people looking no. after them there was no records back then it was a very today it's like impossible they've got it they just came out the nfl with their new rules i actually have it right here where this is posted in every club in every clubhouse uh yeah, for the-, the nfl's got a gambling issue no nope. these guys have these been- are the new rules they just came out but this these week. guys have been 50 dollars on their teams the six key rules this is all they have they tried to make it very simple and not many words involved in the whole thing. It's they don't really want them to read it. Ready? One, don't bet on the NFL. <laughs> Two, don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Outside of that, you can. Three, don't have someone bet for you. Four, don't share team inside information. Five, don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. Six, don't play daily fantasy football. They had to put this up there because they're all doing it. But it was already up there. Let's be real. Did these guys, because the players are claiming like, oh, we didn't learn. We didn't know. They is, didn't tell us. No, I know. But there was this big rules and memorandums. They had to read through all of them. No, they cut it down. Those are the, that's the entire thing now. Yeah, they got rid of it. Hard. They go, no, listen. That was always the entire thing. No, it wasn't. It was a big statement with a thousand words. But in that's it. what it meant, right? That's what it meant. Now they go, no, no. Okay, we'll give you 42 words. <laughs> Can't you can't mess yeah, it up. Mess you it up. can't. They, they no, guys, they are. But what, they're all getting in trouble. Listen, they're all out there. There's guys who are losing their seasons this year. But they're losing like they they bet like fifty dollars. No, they were not big bets. They're just like they're just, they're just like oh yo, you got exactly. any gambling stuff going on? Like, and their buddies are like, guess what? I won. I won a thousand dollars last week <laughs> on you winning or whatever. And he go, oh, and they're so mad because they can't. They're not allowed. Yeah, they do I it. guess. And they're making fifty dollars. They know people who would be like that. 
Yeah, we do. If you were an athlete, there's no way you'd stop them. It's but. crazy. But anyway, so that pretty much does it for us here today. Um, again, happy birthday to Brian Gunzel. Love you, buddy. We love you. Um, we miss you. Thank you to Bob Usler. As always, we love him as well. I mean, what a great Bob's guy. He's the best, man. He's the best. Um, Can't wait to go hang with him in a game one of these days. Yeah, we got to get down there. We got to get down there. I'm telling you, I don't know about him. soon. He's great. I'm going to give him, send him to the bobblehead. Uh, that that does it. I'll right, be. Guys. I'll get you guys Monday uh, with the wrap up. We'll do everything great. Um, working on some big guests, Brad. I'm not going to name him here, but I'm working on big guests. Don't jinx yourself. Coming up. Uh, that's it, right? Yep. Anything else? All right, we'll talk to you Monday. Brett and I will talk to you next week. For Bob, for Brett Grasso, I'm Bob Walters. See ya. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to let everyone know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on our website at LockedUpSports.net. Remember, you can also find us on your favorite social media site, on Twitter at LockedUpSports, on the gram at Locked underscore up underscore sports. Join our Facebook group, Locked Up Sports, or on TikTok at Locked Up Sports Show. Now you can catch all the latest from Locked Up Sports anytime. Thanks for listening.